title of my lesson tonight is, as Smitty read in Hebrews 11.1, 1, is now faith is the being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So the title of my lesson tonight is Faith is the Cornerstone of Christianity. But as Smitty read for us in Hebrews 11.1 1, about the best definition of faith that I could find, which was Hebrews 11.1, 1, I want to give you two other definitions that two other people have their own definitions of, uh, of faith. And one of them is by a famous writer that we all know, and that's Mark Twain. And Mark Twain says, faith is believing in what ain't so. And there's a known atheist. His name is H.L. McChicken. And he says, faith is an illogical belief in the occurrence of the improbable. Now, these are two far different views of, a, of the word faith and what it means to different people. And I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. But as they asked me a couple of months ago to, to be prepared to speak tonight, the first thing I have to do is come up with a subject. And I don't know where this, where the, my subjects always come from, but I do a lot of thinking on them. And after I come up with a subject, and so a couple of months ago, I came up with, I wanted to do, a, do it on faith tonight. And one of my favorite Bible tools is a Bible concordance. And if you look in a Bible concordance and you look up the word God in a Bible concordance, the references to God in the Old Testament and the New Testament just goes on for page after page after page. And if you look up the word love, it does the same thing. It goes on page after page after page. And then every other word after that, and that's, that, you know, that makes sense because God is love. And if you look up the word faith, faith has a lot of references in the Bible too, which brings me back to what I was going to say is that faith is the cornerstone of Christianity. But I want to just not read these scriptures, but I just want to give you the highlights of a half a dozen scriptures here that were in the concordance, which I'm not going to cover tonight, but it just looks at it a little bit different different way. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says that faith gains a person acceptance before God. Romans 4, 20 declares that faith glorifies God. Isaiah 38, 3 states that faith is expressed in humble and loyal sincerity. Ephesians three seventeen affirms that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Galatians 2.20 proclaims that we live by faith. And 2 Corinthians 5.7 confirms that we walk by faith. But another scripture, Hebrews 11.6, says, and with, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and his rewards, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. One more scripture. Romans 1.20 acknowledges the absolute existence of God. And I'll just read it. For since the creation of the world, God is invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature 
have been clearly seen being misunderstood, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. In other words, we are surrounded by the evidence of God. It's everywhere. It's in nature. It's in us. We are children of God. So faith is built on two colossal pillars. One is knowing that God exists, and the other one is having a firm belief that he rewards those who seek him earnestly. I want to interject just something that happened in my lifetime. I was a teenager. I wasn't yet a Christian, but I still had faith. And I was challenged by a relative, an adult relative. And the person said, Roger, how can you believe in the Bible? How can you believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? Well, I just did. But my belief didn't start there. My belief started back in the Old Testament with, with the people in Genesis, with Cain and Abel, with the creation of man and Adam and Eve. Began with Moses. Began with Abraham. Began with Noah. It, goes, it went way back then. Now, I didn't win the argument. You couldn't. I mean, I was talking to an adult of my parents' generation. That was that person's belief. But I believe that the opposite of faith is akin to idolatry, which means we believe in something other than God. Now, you can believe in science, but in my age group, you know, science goes way back. And science, I think now, even more than when I was a teenager is closer some scientists are closer to what God is saying than they were 50, 60 years ago but it is still a moving target the teachings of God and Jesus Christ are consistent they do not change, science is consistently changing in our lives we never know where it stands But we are God's children. And as God's children, I was brought up as a young man and a teenager to respect my family, to respect the name of my family. But as we have to respect the name of our earthly family, we have to respect God's family too. We have to... We have to respect the name of Jesus Christ and our, the name that we wear as Christians, we have to respect this because as my parents didn't want me to embarrass our family name we don't want to embarrass the name of Jesus either so God's unseen presence is all around us it's in our thoughts it's in our desires how we see one another how we how we see beauty of nature, how we view thunderstorms and things like that. It's everywhere. It's in our relationships with one another. It's in our love for our families and our wives and our children. Now, if Smitty would have continued reading Hebrews chapter 11, you would find out that 
as you go on into chapter 11, that chapter 11 covers the great hall of fame of people of faith. And to mention a few of them was Abraham. You know, Abraham left his, left his home of Hadad and went, went on a mission to the promise to, to Canaan as directed by God. And later in Abraham's life, he was willing to sacrifice his, sacrifice his son because he had so much faith. What, what about Noah? Noah worked somewhere around 75 to 100 years trying to build an ark to save his family because of, he had faith in God. There's others. There's Moses. There's Rahab. There's Gideon. Gideon took 300 men and defeated over 100,000 Midianites. There's David and Job and King Hezekiah who tried to bring the word of God back to the Israelites in the southern in the kingdom. But rather than to dwell on these, these Hall of Fame people of faith, I'd like to talk just a few minutes about three people in the New Testament that we don't hear of very often that had a lot of faith. And the first one comes from Matthew chapter 8. And it's about a Roman centurion. And he came to Jesus for help because his servant was at his home paralyzed, couldn't move. Jesus told the centurion, he says, I'll go right now and heal him. And the centurion replied, I do not deserve for you to be in my house. And the centurion says, I'm a, I am a man of authority. If I tell people to go, they go. If I tell people to come, they come. If he tells his servant to do this, his servant does that. When Jesus heard this, he says, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. And Jesus told the centurion, go to your servant. He's healed as of now. There was a woman who was subjected to much bleeding. Her story is in Mark 5, verses 25 through 34. And there again, I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to paraphrase. She had been subjected to this illness for a dozen years. She suffered greatly. She had spent all of her money on many doctors trying to get past this. And, they, and her situation just got worse. She came up behind Jesus and touched his cloak. And she was immediately healed and felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. Well, Jesus realized that power had gone from him, and he inquired as to who touched him. Jesus kept looking around to see who had touched him, and the woman realized that she had been had. She was caught. And trembling with fear, she fell in front of Jesus' feet and told him the whole truth. Jesus told her, Daughter, your faith has been healed. You go in peace. Just one more. What about the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15? She was a Gentile. And she came crying to the Lord because her daughter suffered terribly from demon possession.
Jesus did not answer her, and his disciples urged him to send her on her way. Jesus told his disciples that he sent only for the that he was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. The woman pleaded with the Lord to help her. Jesus said, "It is not right." to take the children's crumbs and toss it to the dogs. But the woman pleaded with Jesus. She agreed, but she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Her daughter was healed that very hour. Where did these people get this faith? This was in the time of Jesus' ministry here on earth. So I would guess that they heard Jesus speak someplace. They heard about him. But they heard the word of Jesus from himself. Because how else could they have this faith? In Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So it seems like faith, some people have great faith and some have lesser faith. How do we increase our gift of faith that we receive from God? I have read, and I don't have any reason to doubt this, that 90 to 95% of all Americans believe in God. But many doubt that Jesus Christ is is divine, is is of divinity, and they don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. And there's other things they don't believe. So these people's faith is on maybe the lower end of the scale. But if this is true, how do we increase our faith? Since faith comes by hearing as a gift of God, some believe and some don't. Remember Mark Twain's quote? He didn't believe at all. What about my relative? When Jesus was teaching at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and this is found in John 7, 41-43, Others said, he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem? The town where David lived, thus the people were divided. And you can read several stories in in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can see where as Jesus was teaching, there was doubts among even some of the Pharisees where some of them, where some of them believed or they, they were divided depending on which, which uh, version of the Bible you read. But it's evident that some of them were believed. Some of them did believe. And I would just bet that on the day of Pentecost, it was many of these people that were baptized and saved when Peter, when Peter gave his lesson on the day of Pentecost. So what can we what can we do to increase our faith? Matthew 17, 
20 and 21, Jesus talks about faith to, that moves mountains. Well, most of us here, if not all of us, live in the Piedmont section of North Carolina. And there's not a lot of mountains around here to move. But there's other mountains. If we live by faith, some of these other mountains can be, what about relationships? Have we ever had any relationship problems with a boss, a supervisor, a neighbor, a spouse, a child? Any of these things ever cropped up in anybody's life? They have mine. Are they easy to resolve? No, they're not. Do they seem like big mountains? Sometimes they do. What about problems with career decisions? What to take in school? What about personal finances? What about business decisions? What about how we treat other people? These all seem like they could be mountains in our lives at some time or another. If you pray about these things, you ever look back and see what happened to them two weeks from now or six months from now or a year from now? I can tell you that oftentimes they're gone. You don't even think about them anymore. Sometimes they've resolved themselves very slowly. If we prayed about these as we should in all life's decisions and we see these, we see these problems resolve themselves, what would it do? It would increase our faith. And the more we pray, the more faith we have. The more faith we have, the more we pray. And somebody brought this up this morning, either in Sunday school or Jeff brought it up in his lesson this morning about prayer. We can also associate with other people that have faith. I have a business partner, as many of y'all know, and Billy, is, Billy has a lot of faith. And we talk about scripture and the Bible on a regular basis. And it's rewarding and it's fun and it's, it's enjoyable. And Billy and I like to share our ideas. Do we read and study the Bible? I know Jeff brought this up this morning. Meditate on God's word. One time I had an objective because I just thought it was something I needed to do. But I decided I need to read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation. And so I, I downloaded a, a thing off the Internet that how to read the Bible and through in one year. Well, I accomplished my goal. I read the Bible through in a year. It might have taken me 13 or 14 months, but I read it through. But you know what I got out of it? I read the Bible through in one year. I didn't get anything out of it. Not much. And you know why? Because my objective was to read the Bible. My objective was not to study and meditate on God's word and think about it. And look up things. Go to my concordance and look up words that were referenced in other places in the Bible. So you can earnestly pray that your faith can increase. Give thanks in prayers for when, when your prayers are answered. Pray for, pray for wisdom and direction in your life. So prayer and faith go hand in hand. To me, prayer and faith is like 
Fourth of July and fireworks, apple pie and ice cream. And for those of us old enough to remember, RC colas and moon pies. As we endure trials, we should be we should pray to be tested, to pray to get through these to get through these trials. Trust that God has your best interest at heart. He may be trying to strengthen you from for another challenge, for a growth, or another task he wants you to follow. So my conclusion tonight and my invitation to you is where is your faith tonight? If Mark Twain was on a scale of zero and the Apostle Paul and Peter and John were on a scale of 10 and some of our old Bible, our Old Testament characters like Abraham and Noah and they were on a 10, where are we at? Do we want to do what we need to do to increase our faith? Which way do you want your faith to go? You want to take incremental steps to, to, to increase it? And sometimes that's all it takes is incremental steps, a little bit at a time, just like our mountains that we have to move. You know, we can pray that just sometimes we can pray that just something good could happen to us in our lives, especially if it's, if it's a downtime. You know, we can pray for something good to happen or challenge to be met or something. But anything like that that we pray for where our prayers are answered is going to increase our faith. If we can help you in any way tonight, need prayers of the church, if we can help you any other way, please step forward as we stand and sing.